0: Imagine having a power plant in the middle of a city underground and you know, under a park or under like a like a shopping center. When you talk about things like wind and solar, for example, right. There are only certain parts of the country that can can do wind and solar. So then you end up having hundreds of miles of transport of wires that have to carry that energy from a wind farm or a solar farm. A lot of it's lost and it's easily disruptible as well. So Being able to have the energy source right where it's needed has incredible efficiencies on a number of facets.
1: If you'd like our show and want to learn more, please visit our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, where you can gain access to a very simple 10-day body reset program that teaches you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and guides you on how to lower blood sugar, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Additionally, you can find a body optimization program, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. You can also find a link to schedule a one-on-one consultation with me. Welcome to Peak Health with Dr. Gupta, where we discuss optimizing your health and maximizing your genetic potential. We need access to electrical energy to function in today's society but the unsustainability of fossil fuels is becoming increasingly obvious. The pollutants produced by fossil fuels pose significant health risks to us and our surroundings. Climate change amplifies weather fluctuations resulting in extreme events such as storms, heat waves, and droughts, which directly impact our physical and mental well-being. Moreover, shifting weather patterns can disrupt ecosystems, affecting agricultural productivity, increasing the prevalence of vector-borne diseases, and compromising our access to freshwater sources, exacerbating water scarcity issues. While renewable energy sources like solar and wind power have made strides in offering cleaner alternatives, there exists another potential game changer, nuclear fusion. This groundbreaking technology holds the promise of unlimited access to clean and abundant energy, which is better for us and the planet. To shed light on this fascinating subject, I'm joined today by my friend Amit Singh. Amit is the CEO of Near Star Fusion. He received his BS in electrical engineering at the University of Virginia and worked at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center and is well-versed in space technologies, intelligence, missile defense, and directed energy. Welcome, Amit. Thank you, Ravi. Great to see you again. Absolutely. Really happy to have you on this podcast. Excited for it. Maybe we start off by you just telling us a bit about yourself and how you came to the position of CEO of Near Star Fusion.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was a kind of a different journey than most people who work in fusion. I was actually working in the intelligence community for about 25 years. And during that time, I, ended, I started a company and ended up selling it to private equity. But one thing you realize when you're in intelligence for as long as I was is that most of the world's conflicts are based on the scarcity of resources, primarily energy. And you can see that even playing out today in Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, I really wanted to play a role in green and clean energy and specifically in fusion, because for all the reasons you just mentioned, and I got very, I was very fortunate that I had a friend that knew one of the founders of a fusion company in Chantilly, Virginia, and we met and we hit it off and I quickly became enamored with their approach. There are only about 35 fusion companies in the world right now, so having one in Virginia worked out really well for me and and they really wanted me to bring my business expertise and let them focus on what they're good at, which is the science. And so I, I get to come in and do what I enjoy and they get to do what they enjoy. So it's it's a nice team. Yeah. Well that that's wonderful.
1: It's it's great to hear that you really you're care and focused about environmental sustainability because I mean that's so important for all of us in so many ways, not only for our own personal health, but for the health of the planet and the health of our kids. And that's a it's a huge passion of mine as well. Let's start with talking about what nuclear fusion is. Like, what is f- nuclear fusion? How does it differ
0: from nuclear fission? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fusion is actually what powers the sun. It's the act of combining two atoms together, and it's which is pretty much the exact opposite of nuclear fission, which is the act of splitting atoms apart. The, so when you're dealing with fission... And because you're splitting atoms, you have to use very heavy elements. So when you look at the periodic table, you're using things like uranium and plutonium, and they, they're very radioactive. So they have a lot of you know, other health risks associated with, with those fuels. Fusion, on the other hand, has to use very light elements. So things like hydrogen. And hydrogen is, A, not radioactive on its own, but it's, it's very abundant. We have Over a million years worth of hydrogen fuel right here on earth for, for our current energy needs. And so what's nice about it is that when you combine two hydrogen atoms together and you create a helium, you, it's E equals MC squared, both on the fission side and on the fusion side. But the nice thing about fusion is that it releases four times the amount of energy that fission does. So if you had a kilogram of deuterium fuel, which is basically an isotope of hydrogen versus uranium, you'll get four times the amount of energy out of fusion than you would out of fission. And the nice thing about it is that afterwards, you don't have the nuclear waste that you have on the fission side. To, to be, just to clarify, there is a slight, there's a isotope of hydrogen called tritium, which is very slightly radioactive, but you can literally put it in your pocket. It can't even break your skin. And literally, if you can put, it's got a half-life of 12 years. And if you put it into a barrel in a storage unit, after 20 years, you'll have helium, which is valuable in its own. Right. For space exploration. And like. So. Interesting. Okay. And where do you get, where do you get this fuel from? You, you can literally crack it out of any body of water, the ocean, a lake, a river, even, you know, you're probably drinking some water, some bottled water literally a can of water has enough energy, fusion energy in it to power a house for three days. So you just literally crack it out of the water. It's a pretty well-known process to do that. Excellent. And then would, would it co- eventually cause water shortages at some point? I mean,
1: are you using that much water for...
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> no, not, not no. Because you're just pulling out the deuterium out of the water. So deuterium is one six thousandth of... It's typically one out of six thousand particles And, uh, and, and water. So yeah, no, you know, we're
1: not going to run out of water. Okay. All right. It's like, you're not going to drain the (laughs)
0: oceans.
1: Okay. So now I know that there was, there was the, the limiting step was technology over many years and we've seen an exponential increase in technology. In fact, I was listening to a very interesting podcast where the gentleman was saying that from 1900 to 2000, we've seen in exponential growth in technology but we saw that same growth from 2000 to 2016 or 17. Um, so basically we squeeze hundred years in that period and we're gonna squeeze another hundred years in 17 to 23. So it's like, we are seeing this rapid increase in technology. And as we were talking before this podcast, you mentioned that fusion has been around for a while. We've been thinking about fusion for a while, but tell us about the technology needed and how it's ramped up over the years.
0: Yes. So you're right. I mean, humans have been doing fusion since the early 1950s. And so we know how to do fusion. The hard part is how do you get, how do you sustain fusion and how do you get more energy out than you put in? And that happened for the first time last year at the NIF ignition facility where they put, they got more energy out than they put in. Now, they did it for a very short amount of time and But it was a huge breakthrough. A lot of the advances in technology, specifically around superconducting magnets, has really pushed the science of fusion forward. Now, and and also compute power. And like you talked, basically what you were referring to earlier was Moore's law, like how we're doubling every several years our ability to compute and run simulations. Because in fusion, we use something called plasma, which is the fourth state of matter, which I didn't learn when I was in elementary school, but apparently they didn't learn now. So, <laughs> But plasma is very unpredictable and hard to control. And so being able to run models and simulations is extremely important because you can't build a, a reactor around a gas. And so the ability, the compute power of these very complex simulations has made it possible where now we can run these models and try ideas in a much more efficient way than we could ever before. And, you know, in the world of fusion, like I said earlier, there are about 35 companies, which equates to roughly 35 different approaches to fusion. And they fall into different camps. You know, some are using lasers, some are using superconducting magnets. Near Star Fusion actually is using hypervelocity plasma guns, which is a little bit different than what other people are doing. But I I won't bore you with those details right now. But yeah, so those advances in technology have really kind of started showing the light at the end of the tunnel. And and we have also improvements in diagnostics because in some cases people have achieved fusion, but they didn't know about it for years later. And so being able to have great diagnostics and, you know, hyper great cameras and other sensors has also helped the the technology move forward. Interesting. Okay. So
1: and, and just getting a little bit Deeper into the engineering science of it, sure. because I, this is so fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, and geeking out a little bit, maybe. So you you mentioned lasers, you mentioned magnets. So what I'm imagining is like a fusion reaction. Like a, you're basically creating, as you mentioned, same reaction that we see in stars,
0: mm-hmm.
1: nuclear fusion, in in a contained space. So basically, it's like a, a I imagine like this ball of energy, and you're you're extracting some heat from that. Is that in essence what's happening? You're containing this, this reaction in a small space and you're extracting heat?
0: Yeah, so even in this space, there's a couple of different variants. The, more, the most traditional approach right now is basically what you said. They, they have a, a ball of plasma that they contain in a reactor called a tokamak. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, they have to use the magnets to kind of maintain that plasma. And it's, it's giving off tremendous amounts of heat which then you can use to boil water and turn a turbine, right? But that's called magnetic confinement. There's another kind of school of thought on, on fusion, which is called inertial confinement, which is instead of trying to maintain this very, you know, this ball of plasma, which has a lot of, you know, complications to it, we're going to sacrifice the huge gain that you get out of that to do what's a much smaller explosion. So, or ignition. And so you use like literally milligrams of fuel and, and you create a little miniature ignition that lasts microseconds. And if you do it right, depending on the kind of fuel you're using, you may, you might create tremendous amounts of heat, which is, you know, you understand that thermal conversion, but you can also create charged particles. So you don't even need a turbine. You don't even need to boil water. You can literally go to a coil of wire and put it. You, know, you have electricity coming off of this, off of this this reaction. So that's when you get into more advanced fusion fuels. But that it that's what kind of makes it exciting is that imagine having a power plant literally under a shopping center, and you don't have to worry about this really expensive and heavy equipment to oh wow put energy on the grid. Yeah. But that's the that's the future of this. The that's that's Yes, that's what we were hoping for. I mean, one of the things that we've been very excited by is that the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission two months ago made a ruling that they were going to regulate fusion differently than fission and that basically it's called Part 30 and that they were essentially going to regulate fusion like a nuclear medicine facility, like where you get your x-rays or your CT scans. And so imagine... Having a power plant in the middle of a city underground, and you know, under a park or under like a like a shopping center, yeah. and then that microgrid infrastructure is also really good for a lot of other reasons because a lot of energy is lost. You know, when you talk about things like wind and solar, for example, right. there are only certain parts of the country that can can do wind and solar. So then you end up having hundreds of miles of transfer of wires that have to carry that energy from a wind farm or a solar farm, a lot of it's lost and it's easily disruptible as well. So being able to have the energy source right where it's needed has incredible efficiencies on a number of facets.
1: Are you struggling with reaching your health goals? Do you feel like you need extra help to achieve your desired level of wellness? Well, we're here to tell you that you're not alone. Our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, offers a variety of resources to help you on your journey towards optimal health. One of the most popular resources is the 10-Day Body Reset Course, which is designed to teach you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and how to lower your blood sugar, blood pressure, body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Our program is comprehensive yet easy to follow, and we've seen amazing results for those who have completed it. But that's not all we offer a body optimization course, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. Our program is tailored towards your individual needs and goals so that you can be sure that you're getting the most effective guidance. And if you need even more personalized support, we offer one-on-one consultations. During these sessions, we'll work with you to create a personalized plan that takes into account your unique circumstances, preferences, and goals. Visit peakwellnesshealth.com today and take the first step towards achieving your health goals. You, and you spoke a bit about this, the safety of it. Now, you mentioned that, you know, like there's, you know, the potential is to put it in places where there, there are many people. What about emissions, radioactive emissions, any byproducts of this process that are, that could potentially be harmful? What about explosions? You know, like, what about all that kind of
0: stuff? Right. So, you know, unfortunately we're seeing in Ukraine right now with, you know, they're, they're always on edge about that nuclear power plant, you know, having a meltdown much like Fukushima or Chernobyl. And the difference there is that fusion or sorry, fission naturally wants to chain react. So that's that's one of the dangers. That's why people like to keep nuclear fission plants away from cities. Fusion does not it inherently does not chain react. So if you don't have the perfect conditions for fusion, it immediately stops. So, you know, if that power plant in Ukraine was a fusion power plant and the Russians bombed it, it it would never explode and cause damage to the area. It would just stop creating energy. So it's extremely safe. And one of the byproducts of fusion is something called tritium. And tritium is just another isotope of hydrogen. It's very slightly radioactive. I, I literally carry it around in my, in my pocket at conferences and the like. You can, I mean, I don't recommend it, but you, know, you could drink it and it has a half-life of 12 years. So you could put it into a barrel and and 20 years later you'll you'll have a barrel of helium so you know it's 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 very safe you can put it in just you know any storage place that you have in the city or outside the city whereas with fission the radioactive waste we only have three sites in the entire country that can store nuclear waste from a fission plant okay amit so what about implementation of
1: these these fusion plants cuz i imagine it is Quite expensive to build something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much does it cost? How do you see this unfolding in the future?
0: Right. The depending on the design of fusion reactor, you have the cost could be very, very high. You know, one of the issues that we have to tackle in the fusion community is it's one thing to have net gain fusion, but it's also it's a kind of a separate thing to make it commercially viable. And you know, permits take a long time to build a power plants, but depending on the design of the fusion reactor, like the one that we're building in Neustar, for example, has the ability to retrofit existing hydrocarbon plants, like a coal plant, so, which already has the permits, already has a lot of the power grid infrastructure, and we literally remove the boiler out of a, a coal plant and place a fusion reactor in there instead, And you reuse the turbines, reuse the transformers and voila. And what's even really also what's really important about that situation is that in a lot of parts of our country where coal power plants have been shut down, those areas have become very distressed economically. And it's caused a major spike in the opioid crises in those areas. And so there's a lot of desire to bring good jobs back to those areas and upskilling the people so that they don't have to, you know, deal with the the tragedies of opioid usage and other things that come along with that. But yeah, so, but getting back to your other question, you know, I want to make it very clear. Fusion is hard. And while the joke used to be that fusion is 30 years away and always will be. I would honestly tell you now when you're talking to insiders in Fusion, they will tell you it's more like 10 years away. And wow. there are companies who, because of those advances we spoke of earlier, wow. we're getting there. And But the next step will be like getting it on the grid. And uh, so be, the ability to retrofit existing power plants and then with the NRC ruling, being able to build power plants in cities, it will be really exciting. And hopefully we'll get it done as quickly as possible. Wow,
1: that's amazing! So, so in ten years, how do you see this unfolding? Like, are you saying in ten years that the technology will be there to produce mass quantities of energy? That it'll take another, you know, however many years to implement that technology into these different or retrofit that into different power
0: plants? So, I think there will be a lot of incentives given by the government to once there's a net energy gain. Created, so a lot much like the incentives they provided for wind and solar, I think they will do similar. They'll create similar strategies for fusion because it's such a desirable energy source. And uh, th- th- you know, frankly, we're in a race against a couple other countries to try to develop it first because we want to maintain our influence around the world and whatnot. So I think they'll be they'll they'll. they'll kind of remove some of the barriers to entry once we have the science figured out. And one one of the things we've seen is that for decades fusion was pretty much solely funded by the government, you know, Department of Energy, ARPA, NASA, things like that. And now in the last several years there've been billions of dollars that have come in to fusion through private private investors. And while most of that investment has gone to a handful of companies, there's a lot of interest in fusion now from the private sector, so I I do believe that once the science is figured out and uh, the the mobilizing private equity and government forces will make this happen sooner than some of the naysayers will will tell you. Interesting. What about micro plants? We we spoke a little bit about this when you talked about you know
1: going to their malls, but what about in houses? Can can, can this technology be advanced enough so you could put this
0: the house um most of the companies that are are going after fusion are trying to put it on the power grid there is one company i'm aware of that is trying to create what's called a, a tabletop reactor that could go perhaps at a home or a building and you know you know we're excited about what they they'll be able to do they're very well funded so but you know most people just the physics of fusion they're kind of going a little bit bigger but, you know, the fact of the matter is no one has, knows which method is going to work. And a lot of people believe that there will be probably two or three different methods that will work eventually. Yeah. So hopefully a tabletop or, you know, a smaller version will work as well. And we'll have our reactor in our neighborhood or, or in our yeah. backyard.
1: Yeah, in, a, in, a ba- in our backpack. We just, we just carry well, around.
0: Yeah, I maybe mean, go to Iron Man level. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's that's amazing. I mean, it just it's just so fascinating to hear about this stuff. So now you mentioned that you guys have the, the, the plasma gun technology. Is that that's what you're focused on? You just describe that a little bit to us. What is, what is that exactly?
0: Right. So we, we use a hypervelocity plasma rail gun. And so a lot of people, when they think of rail guns, they think of weapons and, 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 and the like. But basically what a rail gu- plasma rail gun can do is is shoot projectiles at hypervelocity Ours, we're, we're gunning for roughly six miles per second. So for those of you who lived in D.C., you heard the sonic boom this past weekend. Yeah. Imagine that times 30, right? So it's a, it's a hypervelocity. We're shooting something about the size of a soda can. And in our scenario, what we do is we shoot it into a magnetic field. And without getting into all the science now, the magnetics, if you create a strong enough magnetic field, and as the canister of fuel goes into it, it gets crushed. And so if you design that can properly, yeah. when it gets crushed, it ignites a fusion reaction. If you don't design it properly, the plasma will ooze out of the sides. So, so But once that ignition happens, what we have to do is now capture that heat. So in one, in one of our reactor designs, we have a shower of molten salt that can absorb that heat and then like a radiator, heat up the water, which turns, a, turns the turbines. which, And then you got the energy on the grid from that point forward. So being able to create hypervelocity plasma guns is extremely hard. Very few people in the world can do that. Luckily, we have those people. <laughs> and luckily, because of the advances in compute technology, we're able to run simulations and models to kind of calculate the design of the capsule, the the exact speed that we want the capsule to go at, the strength of the magnet, all those things that we couldn't couldn't feasibly do 20 years ago, we can do today. So yes, it's it's extremely exciting. And yeah. you know, I invite you to come over to our office in Chantilly, We'll shoot some plasma guns together. You know, <laughs> it's always a fun time.
1: That I, I'll take you up on that. That sounds yeah, that's I love phenomenal. It. I, love it. I will I will be there. And shooting plasma guns is something I never thought I would do ever <laughs> do, but <laughs> the opportunity. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was incredibly fascinating. I'm so hopeful that this technology is going to come to fruition, you know, as, as soon as possible because it's it's needed. I mean, we we absolutely need it. And uh, you know, as we discussed earlier, probably, I think it was prior to this podcast, we just can't generate enough renewable sources the way they are currently to power the grid. Maybe you can speak about that, uh, you know, as we close.
0: Right. I mean, the electricity market worldwide is is 2.6 trillion dollars. I mean that with the T. So, and it's growing because you know industry and transportation are is get, going electrified. So you know most people are now looking at electric cars, and, but even industry is moving towards electrification for a variety of reasons. When you couple that with a lot of developing nations like India and China as their economies evolve and they they start consuming more energy wind and solar just cannot keep up with the pace. Now, nothing against wind and solar, they're fantastic okay. technologies, but the demand is just going, is going to go up and we cannot keep up yeah. with it with the traditional renewables.
1: Plus, plus there's, you know, it, it dependent on sunlight and wind, you know, which are yeah. are, are, are are variable. So you, you're not going to have consistent power unless you create battery sources and things like that. So there's, there's issues. Right. I was
0: looking at a chart the other day for the state of New York and they get more energy from hydroelectric Dams than they do from solar because geographically solar doesn't make a lot of sense for them. Right. So and you know and there's a little bit of a backlash going towards some renewables because people don't want these wind farms and solar farms in their backyards anymore. Right. And so there's starting to be some pushback there. I mean, you know, they'll manage for now. But but yes, fusion has to be the future. You know, because the 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 issues with fission while they're getting better, you know, people, they don't feel safe with the nuclear fission reactor in their backyard, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's
1: very concerning. And last question, AI, how how, is that playing a role in the
0: fusion process? It will. For us right now, it's not because our PhD students are all, are, are all kind of, they're, they're our brains right now, but AI, it's just, Right now for us to introduce AI would be more of a complication than it would, but we do know that there are some companies that are introducing AI into their models and yeah, it's very exciting. And I think there will be, it will play a part, especially as we start refining the algorithms. Yes.
1: Well, Amit, this was amazing. I really appreciate your time and sharing all this information with us. If somebody's interested in learning more about Fusion or maybe even getting in contact with you,
0: how would they do so? You can reach me at Amit at nearstarfusion.com uh, and I'd love to, to have a chat with you and, and you know, point you to multiple resources that, you know, if you want to just learn. There's actually a great class going on right now online, so I can point you to that too. How, how do you get access to that class? I'll have to send you the link, but We'll yeah, put it in the show
1: notes. We'll put the link. Okay, in the
0: that'd be great. Yes.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, Amit. Well, this was great. Thanks Thank for you.
0: having me. I really appreciate it. It was a great seeing you again, Ravi.
1: Absolutely. You too. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and the like button and leave a comment about what you'd like to see on our future episodes. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only does not substitute for professional care, nor does it constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for medical care, please seek a qualified doctor or medical professional for more information or if you'd like to check out our programs please visit our website, peakwellnesshealth.com. That's peakwellnesshealth.com.